Are you ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Relationships Rule. I am um, very pleased to introduce you to my guest this week. Her name is Gail Doby, and Gail comes to us from the Colorado area. And what's really fun for me as in this in interview that I'm going to do is that when I was introduced to Gail, this was because we were both part of a book that we each did a chapter in just recently uh, for a friend of mine, Lorraine Ball. And the book was called More Than a Few Written Words. And we, we actually um, are side by side in our chapters because we are both in the piece that talks about um, sales and marketing. And when I first uh, saw Gail's name, I thought I've met her before. And it was a long time ago and she, you know, she didn't really remember. And it's okay, Gail, I don't mind that you didn't remember. Um, uh, I did afterwards. All, yes, you did. <laughs> and first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. You're welcome. And, uh, but what was fun for me is because my relation, my podcast is all about relationships. This was kind of fun to, to dig back because I knew I'd met, I knew Gail's name when I saw it, but I wasn't sure. And then Lorraine thought we should meet and she introduced us. Right. And then I started to dig in and ask a couple of questions. And we both remembered where, you know, how we were connected the first time through a mutual uh, acquaintance or friend or client, I think in, in the case of you. Right. And and what was so funny is that that just fits right into, okay, we had a relationship many years ago, small though it was. And by the way, I found out it was 2011, right? Which is 12 years, 12 years ago. And what that did for me was it made it such a warmer connection this time around because I knew we had talked before. And that's what I love about relationships. Absolutely. Right. And it's just so fun when you find that, well, and I like you anyway, there's, <laughs> you're very warm and genuine. So one of the things that's really nice about that is when you do reconnect and you think, ah, oh, I like this person. I don't know why we haven't stayed connected. So anyway, it, it's circumstances, right? It's circumstances and people go in different directions and, and get um, caught up. But that also takes me right into the point of being staying connected with people is important because especially in your business and I haven't even talked about that yet because uh, I just jumped right in but um, in your business uh, the kind of intimacy that happens for clients with their designer is big and so it would seem that if you loved the designer that worked with you, that you would tell others about them. And so the relationships form, you know, referral partners and things like that. So I'll back up now because I started and I'm coming from left curve and now I'm coming back in to who you are. So please, I know that uh, Gail is a co-founder of the Pearl Collective, which used to be her training and consulting business, but now has a beautiful, I love the Pearl um, 
on your book, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But this is a consultancy. Tell us about the work that you're doing now. Well, it's very much relationship driven as well. Still in coaching and consulting. I've been doing that for a little over 15 years now. And it's related to, and we support interior design firms, architects, um, and also kind of oddly, I do companies like accounting companies, CPA firms, wow. accountants. and I, for some reason, they come to me because they need some help as well. So I think that I was meant to do this. This is my calling. I just didn't know it was. It took me many years to figure that out. Yeah. And it was uh, an adventure getting here because I had a finance degree first. I went to work for a Fortune 500 company in sales and marketing. And then I went to work for one of their distributors for some years and then went into consulting. And then next thing you know, I end up being in Denver, meet my husband. And I had friends that were flying me around the country to get me to do their design work. So I decided I would go get a design degree. So I did design for quite a long time. I started that back in 87. And once I got to a point in 2007, I said, "Mm, I'm not so sure I really want to keep doing this. I was burned out. And I have my um, current co-founder has been working with me for 18 years And she started as an intern in my business. So we decided to start this business, which was in 2007, we started talking about 2008, we actually started our business and we were still doing design work for a while, but we were also starting to do coaching and consulting and it's evolved over the years. And here we are now, 15 years later, and we have many clients that stay with us for years. And it's because of relationships and it's because that's one of the core um, principles and things that both Erin and I have in common is relationships. So with that being one of our values, it was pretty easy for us to start building this business. And that's how we keep people for so long is just having that focus on relationships. So just back me up for a second. So when you were working in finance, Mm-hmm. you were doing design on just as a passion. Like you weren't getting, you might've been getting paid for it. I don't know, but I mean, it wasn't your, it wasn't your career mm-hmm. at that point. No. So you started off on the, on the left brain side of things. But I always was right brain because I grew up with music and art and all sorts of things like that. But when I got my degree, when I graduated, the fortune 500 company hired me for sales and marketing. Right. So it wasn't even. Related. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah. And so going into the consulting role later, that was one of the things I wanted to do is bring in my business experience, my finance and bring that into what I'm doing now. And I think that we have to be open to the fact that if we're not happy doing what we're doing, let's look at what we have done in the past or what some of our skills are mm-hmm. and just try to use some of those to create a new path for ourselves. And that's, mm-hmm. that's essentially what happened. Interesting. That's really fascinating to me because when I first met you the first time around, I know you had at that time about 10,000 people in your community right. of designers and, and so forth that you were doing online um, calls and so forth with, which was huge. And so to, um, 
to keep that community growing and going. And, you know, interior design is a fascinating field, I think, because I'm not an interior designer. I love design. I love looking at beautiful things. I have a, one of my best friends works in a, um, in that she's not a designer, but she is, you know, she, she helped me with my house. Cause like you did probably in those early days. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, uh, I love the textures. My father was a clothing manufacturer. And for me, it was all about the fabrics and, you know, that kind of thing. So kind of fun. Um, but um, but you've got the best of both worlds. So if, if someone hires you as, as a just and they're a designer, I think they've got the best of both worlds because you've got the finance piece. You run your own business and you um, are sales and marketing expert but you're also have been a designer all those years too so I think it's brilliant and um I think there was something in your chapter that you wrote in the in the joint book that we did about uh, that I think happens from so many small business owners the key point to remember is to market when you're the busiest so that your future pipeline is full we all think when we're busy we don't have time to network or to stay connected with people can you speak to that with the probably hundreds and thousands of women and men that you've talked to about this absolutely the thing that is so critical for people to understand is that if you don't want to have a roller coaster ride on your business right then you have to fill the pipeline when you're full Right. Because if you wait until you don't have business, you're already down in the dip and the dip is too late. You've already put yourself six months behind. So it really is that critically important to market at that time. And I say it until I'm probably blue (laughs) (laughs) because I really believe so strongly that this is one of the keys for people to be successful in their business. And it's not any just any business, it's all businesses. So yeah, and then you say, so how do I do that? I'm so I'm busy running around for this client and that client. And how can I be talking to prospects? Well, well, some of those prospects, and quite frankly, if you're in the service industry, the majority of your people that are going to hire you are your current clients looking for more work. So Mm -hmm. all you have to do is pick up the phone or send an email or meet them for lunch or coffee. So it's not that hard. You do eat, yeah. you, drink, you probably drink coffee or tea, <laughs> and you probably are um, very relationship driven anyway. So that's kind of an easy thing to do It's simple. You can write handwritten notes and I know you have send out cards. So that's one of your things mm-hmm. and staying in touch is critically important. Staying in touch even afterwards. And I've got a great story for this. I have been in this business now almost 15 years. And at our 14th year, we got a, I got a call from one of my old design clients. Now, mind you, I did her project probably 25 years ago. Wow. And the reason she has kept in touch and has for years is because I've always stayed in touch. I've always kept in touch at their holidays or maybe for their birthday, for their mm-hmm. anniversary, always sent. Uh, uh, some sort of a message to them or a card and she just was so happy to reach back out and at one point she wanted to have me do another project and I went out and I looked at it and um, it had been so many years since we'd done work together that she was shocked at the price 
<laughs> and I said, that's okay. I'll introduce you to some other designers because I'm honestly really busy with my current business. Yeah. And so I put her in touch with somebody else and she hired them, but she came back again and wanted to talk again. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is so funny because it had been literally 25 yeah. years. You know what I thought you were going to tell me that her house was exactly the way it was when you designed. <laughs> no, she sold that one. They sold it. They went to California. They sold that house and then they came back to, to uh, Colorado. <laughs> so the, the, um, the designers that you work with, I'm, I'm going to stick to the design business for, for the moment, sure. but the designers that you work with, um, I know there's different levels of um, uh, work that they do, but also probably levels of interest in the business because there's a lot of um, interior designers like realtors who maybe do it part time or you know around there, and they're not that serious. And that's what they're the ones that are the probably making the up and down swing all the time. What would you say? Um, are the sort of key points that you would teach to um, make them work smart, even in a smaller business, or are you not interested in those people? You know, there's that too, right? Well, we serve people that are up to, well, pretty much all types of people in the business, but the distinction is there are people who are dabblers or hobbyists. Okay. And then there are people who are really are wanting to build a business. And we work with people who want to build a business. Okay. So, so that's the distinction. Okay. Okay. And then go ahead. And then how we work with them is it depends on where they are because everyone has their spot on their journey. Yes. And we've identified three basic sections of the journey and the early stage up to about a quarter of a million dollars. At that stage, you have to prove that you have the chops to do design. And mm -hmm. you also have to prove that you can sign a client and get them to pay you to do the work. Mm -hmm. And that's the first phase. And if you can do that on a consistent basis, then you have a chance of building a real business. But that's the proof of concept that has to happen in that early stage. Mm -hmm. And then once you hit about 250,000 and go to about a million, that's the stage when, okay, you're committed. You know that you can design you already have figured out that there's a lot you don't know about running a business and you need help with that. And at that point, you're starting to think about, okay, I'm exhausted. I don't yeah. want to work all the time. I need help. I need people on my team. So you're starting to build a team. And then you get to the next level, which is the million and above. And this mm -hmm. is where you are a serious business person. You are a person that is, you are all in. And this is something that you want to do. It's a profession for you. It is not just a job. It's not just a hobby. And you're not dabbling. You are actually building a real business. And you want to take it to a level that you've never taken it before. And this is when you are most definitely running a team and mm -hmm. probably have a leadership team. And you're also systematizing wow. your business and starting to get to a point where this is a whole different aspect of running a business. You are serious about this. Mm -hmm. And where we see people, and this relates to your business and your podcast, you have to have relationships with everyone that you work with. Mm -hmm. And the most important relationship you have is actually your employees. Yeah. Your team members are your most important relationship before your clients. Because if your if your employees aren't happy, your clients won't have be happy. They just won't. 
Yeah, because that will be reflected in the work that they do for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And they'll show it in their their mood and the way they are. Yeah. But if they like your company and they like you, which is important, you have to be very likable. <laughs> and I wasn't in my first business. I, I failed miserably in my design oh. business. I was not a good manager. I was a uh-huh. micromanager. Yeah. And very controlling. But I've learned to be a lot better about that. And I've really learned to focus on relationships. And it's because of the mistakes I made as a designer. That I love that, that you shared that because um, I talk to a lot of um, business, small business owners and entrepreneurs who are at the stage where they want to, and not necessarily design, of course, but in, in any situation where it's time to um, hire a part-time or VA or somebody, you know, to do some things for them. And I know for me, I get to on top of them to micromanage because I'm a control freak and I don't want it done just that way. I want it done the same way I would do. How can I expect that? That's ridiculous, right? No. And so we, we either don't do it and therefore we're still struggling time-wise ourselves, or we have to make a, a change somewhere and let something go, but let it go to the point, not to the point that you don't care about it. You still care, but you have to build that, rapport and relationship with the person so that they they get you right and they know that they want to do it they will do it your way well or or that you trust that not necessarily your way but so I would say the yes and because the yes and is you want them to do it and you also want them to have ownership of it yeah and if you want it your way then you're going to own it forever and if you want to have others do it, then you let need to let them own it and be okay with them not doing it exactly your way. But the more you provide training and support, yeah. the better it is and the more likely they'll do it closer to the way you would do it. Exactly. You know what? Here's the right. other piece. The serendipity of, of this is that they might even do it way better than you do. <laughs> and yeah. that's what's happened to me. And I have a great team right now. I will tell you that the person that took over and, and in the early stages, you're doing everything. You're wearing yes. 10 hats in your business. And a few years ago, probably five years ago, I hired an operations manager. And the one I have right now has been with us for about four years. And she is phenomenal. She does things way better than I would ever do them. And so I tell her, okay, I've got this idea. Here's some research I've done. Help me put this together so that it makes sense to the rest of the team. And she'll take it and she'll go work on it and she'll bring it back. And it's absolutely brilliant, brilliant. And I look at it and say, I'm so glad I hired her. (laughs) Yeah. So she, she has different gifts to you, right? And she's way better at that than I am. Yeah. So you definitely have to show, um, uh, some love and appreciation and respect to the people that are on your team or else it's never going to work. I know my, one of my daughters worked in a company several years ago where the, I think he was the accountant in the company and he was kind of their overall, their boss. And she was running the customer service team and he was micromanaging everything that she did and not, and therefore undermining her responsibility and and it really was hard for her it was so hard you could see it 
she is not going to build confidence when that's happening all the time. And not only that, he was yelling at them, which was even worse. That doesn't work. No, bullying is, is what it really came down to. So, I, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so um, you your book, you wrote your first book in March 2021, Business Breakthrough your creative value blueprint to get paid what you're worth. Mm-hmm. Is that focused on the design industry or it is? Okay. It is. And you know what's interesting is a lot of people read this that aren't in the industry because it really applies to most businesses. I, yeah, I'm sure it does. That's what I was asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that for most people, and the reason I we call it creative value blueprint is that you're in the creative business and you have a value to it. And a blueprint is something you can relate to and it's a plan. So mm-hmm. if that's the case, then it makes sense for this to be a creative value blueprint. And we do have a system and a process that we've, just, we've refined over the years. We call it our VIP experience. And when you walk out of there, you essentially have that creative value blueprint. And that's why we use that word because, or that phrase because it really fits that. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, is that book, have you written, are you writing, like, did you love writing or hate writing? I mean, I'm curious. I I enjoy writing, but I probably, uh, I have had so little time. I've been so, so busy, but what I'm working on is um, I have started an outline for a new book and it will be, hopefully it'll take, mm, we'll see how long it takes, but maybe next year. (laughs) I'm not promising yet. (laughs) And is it? Is it a completely different, may I ask, like, or is it different thought? It is going to be a little bit different and it will be definitely focused on the journeys that a lot of our clients have taken. Oh, fun. Okay. Those are always fun to hear about. I think yes. all of us like to see if somebody started here and they've ended up 16 times bigger, which we have yeah. a client that has done that. Then oh, wow. what is that path? How did they get there? Mm-hmm. And hearing that story is, can be very inspiring. Definitely. Yeah. I love stories. I love hearing the stories. Um, so I have to ask you, this is like, uh, this is to the side. Okay. Just a little bit, but you know, there's so much, um, on television with, uh, design shows Mm -hmm. on HGTV and, and other ones as well. Um, is there any one of those shows? Have you ever watched any? Is there one that you think is true to reality or are they all just no none of them <laughs> not a one not a one. i have watched them and they're entertainment if you want yes, to be entertained yeah. that's where you go yeah. but there's no reality there because quite frankly you don't know what their budget is yes the show pays for the construction not very much and they don't really pay the designers and it's no, all it's all for exposure just, it's all for exposure yeah and unless you're a big celebrity and the celebrity, you just have to have a big following. So the reality is they're trying to sell viewership and advertising. So it's not real. There is yeah. entertainment. It's fun. Okay. Just it's a great thing to watch. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's fun. And it gives you ideas sometimes, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and tell me, can you, can you think of, you just mentioned a story where someone grew their business 16 times the amount. That's a great, that's in your book. Can you, if you, the new book, it would be. Oh yeah. in the new book. Have you got a couple of stories that you could just share? Gosh, so many. Yeah. Okay. And do you want it about 
tell me a little bit more about what you well, I want to see how working with you changed the path for somebody or or opened the path for somebody that to to the heights that they didn't really expect that they could oh do my gosh we've had so many of those we have another client that came to me in 2018 and it's uh, partners in life and a business and they were doing about at 1.8 million which is healthy and the problem was cash flow and profit they just didn't have it and today we are five years later literally this month five years from their very first time working with me and they built a team i think they're up to 15 now wow. and uh they're getting close to uh, eight million i would say wow. in revenue. so they've grown pretty dramatically but what they've learned is that and i think this is a key you asked for me to think about what is something that I, I want to share with people. Mm -hmm. The key to growing your business is growing yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to build the relationship with yourself first before mm -hmm. you can grow your business. And when we had our first day that we met, they were in tears a, a good part of the time. And these are men. Okay. And that's pretty common for a lot yeah. of my clients because this is such a personal thing to grow a business. And it's mm -hmm. so hard. It's hard work. Mm -hmm. And you have a lot of feelings attached because you are emotionally involved in all aspects of the business. And they just didn't know what to do. And so I took him through an exercise and I'm happy to just do it really quickly. It only takes a second to do it. Mm -hmm. But the first thing is you have to imagine where you want to go with your life and your business and have a vision that is so powerful that you can see it, you can taste mm -hmm. it, you can feel it. So literally I walk them through this and ask them to close their eyes and breathe and then think about that and think about what they were doing, who they were with, what were the things that they had accomplished. And then imagine um, that there was a brick wall in front of them. Mm -hmm. And on that were giant sticky notes. And on each sticky note was one of the things that was in their way. And what they needed to do is understand that that was blocking them from that beautiful vision that they had. Mm -hmm. So what they needed to do was walk around the wall and see their vision instead of facing the wall and staring at where they're stuck. So find another way to make this happen. And really. literally it's just taking a yeah. step or two or five. Yeah. Yeah, just in a different path and bypassing the negative. Don't stay focused on that because you're right. going to get more of that, but stay focused on the vision and where you want That's to go. And if you do that, you can literally break through a lot of the blocks that you mentally have and move toward um, a very positive future, but you have to have a plan and yes. most people don't have a plan. And that's the reason that most businesses fail. They don't mm -hmm. have a plan and you have to have some sort of a plan, even if it's on a napkin and it's yeah. literally yeah. Yeah. 10 things that you've written down, but just write something down and give yourself something to work toward because that's what motivates you every day. And you have to look at it every day and just remember that you have to take one step every day, mm -hmm. one step, that's all. You said earlier that you felt this was your, this was your calling, this was your gift. And so it must be so satisfying to watch the growth in your clients. There's nothing better. It, it really is so exciting. And so, and eventually they do graduate. We have people have been with us. They'll sometimes stay seven or eight years. And then they say, we're ready to graduate. 
because wow. they've gotten all they need and they're in good shape and they need different kinds of help. Yeah. And we love that because they've gotten to a point, they don't have to depend on us anymore. Yeah. They have the information they need and they have the support that got them to that point. So it's really exciting to see that. Now, there's a good point to then say, okay, so they leave the nest, they graduate. Now it's up to you to maintain that relationship because they are going to be your raving fans, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I text them all the time. I've been texting a few of them this week. And sometimes we'll have them come back as speakers. Some of them become our coaches. And most of them want to stay connected with us. So that relationship is huge. And they send us clients all the time. Yeah. Great. That makes so much sense. And 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 that's the kind of I've noticed in the last year and a half, more and more people coming to me that knew people that said, come talk, you need to talk to Janice. And you start to see the fruits of your labor of, of, you know, caring about people. And so it's, it's the best way to do business. The best. The only way to do business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I say that, but I, I would say that too. Um, I know that you are on a new journey for, mm-hmm. um, to improve yourself as well, which is what you were talking about. Everybody should do. And I love this. How is that going? And, and do you mind if we talk <laughs> about it just for, for a minute? It's what? It's painful. Painful. So oh you're learning, you're you're you now want to be a, uh, on the big stages, right? I'm working on that. Yes. yes. And, uh, actually, it. tomorrow I have some rehearsals, and I'm also working with a performance coach. So this is something that is a very big investment in time and money. Yeah. And it is so critically important because I get so much business from my speaking. So the more, the better I can do at that and the more concise my message is, the better my business will be. And it's not really just for that. It's just because I know I can be better. And if you know you can be better, then why in the world wouldn't you want to try to be better? Mm -hmm. And we, in reality, none of us can do this alone. And if we try to do it ourselves, we're going to go so far. But if we want to go the distance, we always find a coach. We find a mentor, we find somebody else, we find a mastermind group. Those are the things that help you get to that next level because we never push ourselves as hard as um, other people will push us. That's really good advice, actually. Very good advice. And so in this case, did you, do you feel you're in the right place? You found it? Okay. And um, does this training that you're doing, I'm going to cough, excuse me, (coughs) does it, um, do they help you with the, the actual speech as well? Okay. So as well as the performance, you've got the performance coach and then they help you craft the, the speaking thing for what selling from the stage or. Not necessarily selling from the stage, but I'm doing a keynote. So Mm -hmm. I'm developing a keynote speech, which is 45 minutes and they do blocking and staging and content mapping and oh, wow. you how to do the fo- vocal warm-ups. And then you have to work on um, expressing in yes. different ways. So yes. they really work on so many things in the whole process. It's, it's really a good program. One of the things that I've been looking and learning and reading about lately is the power of storytelling in yes. what we do so how much of that is coming into play like does every point you you in your speech have to have a story so to speak I do have a lot of stories in there because yeah. yes people are interested in stories that's what engages people when you yeah. think back to when we were kids 
that's the first thing that we heard is our parents teaching us stories or reading yeah. us stories. And we love that. And especially yeah. for our parents, like my mother was so good at telling stories. She had been raised with a grandfather who, who taught her how to tell stories. Wow. And she, I could, we would ask her to tell the same stories over yes. and over and over because she was so entertaining. So yes. When I taught school, um, I taught elementary school and the little ones. And I, I don't know if you're familiar. Well, you must be familiar with this book, Charles and the Chocolate, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. Okay. So by Roald Dahl. And that was a book that was written so well that every chapter you were begging for the next thing, right? Like at the end of every chapter. So I used to read that to my kids in school. And I also used to read it to my kids, my own kids. And I would always end at a chapter and I say, that's it for tonight. We only got one chapter tonight. And they'd be begging for the next chapter because it was such a good story. And then of course you bring it to life when you, I love reading out loud anyway. So that was kind of fun. So yeah, telling stories, reading stories with heart, whatever it is, it, it can make such a difference to somebody's um, uh, experience of a situation. So love it. That's great. This is fun. Um, is there, now you have a podcast as well. We correct? do. Yes. Called Creative Genius. We do. I'm looking forward to perhaps being on that. I we think, love to have yeah, you I, think I, I think we've got it booked. I can't remember. Good. And, um, but tell me what, what, is it mostly interviews or is it you? Well, or it is some interviews and there are some conversations that Aaron and I have. We talk yes. about things that are happening in our business or happening in the industry and, I think it's interesting to hear behind the scenes because she's worked with me 18 years now. Yeah. So we have this long history of working together and we've had our ups and downs, of course, but we're really close and we have a great working relationship. And it's because we both know what our roles are yeah. and we don't have to worry about each other. The other person is, they will do their job. Yeah. And it's really interesting sharing some of the things that we found along the way, maybe building the team, running into issues with team, things that are maybe frustrating, but really interestingly, I would say, this is my second business. This time I learned from my first mistakes. Mm -hmm. And this time I believe that we have an amazing team and most of our people have been with us for years, years. Yeah. And that speaks, that speaks volumes actually it really that does just yeah tells you how much I had to learn from the last time <laughs> well and and I think that's great that you can see that that you you've grown and you become a different person in a way right so absolutely yeah so that's so cool um what would you say um was your biggest aha along the way about yourself oh gosh um I would say that one of the biggest things that I learned was how resilient I was and how much grit I had, because there were times that even my husband said to me, you need to go get a job. And I looked at him and I said, how long have you been married to me? I am unemployable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is no way anybody's going to employ me. Yeah. So I need to figure this out. And so every time I hit that wall, I would look at it and say, okay, remove the emotions from this and think about what I can do to fix the problem. And that has always served me well. Yeah. 
And I would say the other thing I think is really important is to have contingency plans. Mm-hmm. And that's not my nature. I'm such an optimist. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are. Yes. And we tend to look at things with the rose colored glasses and we don't look at the contingency. And I'll give you a great example of this. Of we, this is 2020 in February, mm-hmm. taking a group of our clients to Portland, Oregon to see a friend of mine who used to be a client. And he had 35 people on his team. And we said, okay, we want to show your business and have you have our have those uh, employ- our clients come and see your operations because they'll learn so much. Mm-hmm. And while we were there, he said to one of our smaller groups, he said, um, well, what are you doing to plan for COVID? <laughs> and we looked at him and we said, what do you mean? Yeah. He said, it's going to shut down the United States. This is February. Yes, I hear you. Yeah. And I said, I don't know. And I literally was stymied. I had no idea, but he had already planned. He knew who his layoffs were going to be. He was going to cut his staff. He was going to cut the salaries by 10%. He knew what expenses to cut. He had ordered laptops for all of his people. They had policies for working from home. All of these things were in place by February of 2020. Wow. And so sure enough, we were, we were kind of born by him, yeah. but we still didn't have that plan no. until really April or May. And even then it was not fully fleshed out, but he had his all together. And I've learned so much just from him watching him have a contingency plan. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Actually, that He's crazy smart. Yeah, that's really interesting. Most people weren't like him, that's for sure. No, interesting. Wow, well, this has been fascinating. And um, I love finding out about my, uh, my guests' stories and, and their journeys and, and love the fact that you get it, that relationships are important. And that's the thing that I think overrides everything else. So thank you for your insights. Thank you for your um, sharing your, your information with us as well. Um, one last question, and I sometimes ask this of my of my guests. Sometimes I don't, but I feel I want to ask you. Um, it's two parts, and first part is uh, like I love curiosity. It's my favorite word, and because that you could probably tell because I was asking different things around the globe about you instead of just staying focused. So curiosity, um, do you believe it's innate or learned? And what are you most curious about yourself these days? So part one, part two. Hmm. Well, I think curiosity is innate. I think we all have it. We're born with it. And that's what we have as children. And we lose that as we get older, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think we can rekindle that very, very easily. And the second part of the question, make sure I've got it correct, is that um, how am I using that for myself? No, what are you most curious about today? Well, what am I most curious about? I am curious about lots of things. My curiosity has grown over the years. And um, for example, one of the books I'm reading right now is called 2030. So I am looking forward to see what is going to happen in the world in the next seven years, because we have to plan ahead that contingency plan that we talked about earlier. So I believe that that is um, really important for us to think about. So I would say curiosity about the future. 
Thank you. Thank you for that. That's fun. Um, and thank you for being an amazing guest. Thank you to my audience for being here and uh, being loyal. Please, if you like what you heard, please go. Um, I will put Gail's uh, information in the show notes. And I think it's going to be Pearl Collective, right? Uh, yeah, ProCollective.com. Is it the Pearl Collective? The Pearl Collective is the uh, URL, but yeah. it's Pearl Collective. Okay. And <laughs> yeah, so um, that will be there. Please um, take a look at what the work that she's doing. And um, if you, if you like what you heard, leave us a review, much appreciated. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.